Welcome to Virgin Territory, a podcast brought to you by SHIP. Each episode brings you new guests and new topics. We ask all the questions you are dying to know, from dating, sexual education and wellness, to kink, polyamory, and everything in between. Now please welcome your host, Vima Manfredo. Welcome back, everybody. And by back, I mean welcome to a new season of Virgin Territory. Um, I'm happy to be back. It is hopefully warm outside since I'm talking to future me. Um, and we have for this first episode of the new season two, uh, for the price of one, uh, we have uh, Grace Webb and Jaila Aponte joining us. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm very excited. Um, so as always, we'll start with a little bit of um, an intro. Uh, so Jayla, if you want to go first. Sure. Yeah. My name is Jayla. I use she and they pronouns. Um, I am a current graduate student at a university in Pennsylvania. I go to Westchester. I study higher education. Um, and my current job, I just started my first full-time position in higher ed. So I'm a resident director and I'm a student life coordinator. So I supervise RAs and orientation leaders. And I really like both of those things. And yeah, I finished my master's in May. So May 14th, I'll have a master's and I'm very excited for it. Wood, wood. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm so sorry I pronounced your name wrong. Just <laughs> talked about it offline. It's okay. It's okay. Jayla. Um, so welcome, uh, Grace, do you want to give us a little intro? Sure. Um, I'm Grace Webb. I mostly use they, them pronouns. I am a sexuality educator and a writer. Um, currently I work with adolescents in New York. Um, and I mostly explore queerness, gender, and alternative ways of relating and connecting to each other. That's wonderful. Um, so <laughs> um, for the, those of you that can't see us, because this is a podcast, we are making funny faces at each other um, because we are all very excited. Uh, so the first question I have for both of you is, how do you meet? Sure. So Grace and I actually met. Uh, we both applied for a remote facilitator training program for sexual health educators through YES, which is Your Empowered Sexuality, which is Philly-based, um, but not everyone uh, was from Philly or lived in Philly. So that's how we met through that. And then we put our interests in what kind of workshop we wanted to facilitate because uh, each group would be partnered with two people. So uh, Grace and I both did those forms and we were both interested in uh, exploring polyamory and having that be a theme in our workshop. So we ended up getting paired together and that's how we met and we've been pals ever since. Yeah, we've done a couple workshops together now and I think just our energy seems to match each other well. I really love the silliness that Jayla kind of like brings to a space and how much that allows other people to kind of open up and be silly and explore. Yeah, you definitely can't take everything too seriously because the world is serious enough. We have to bring a little bit of a smile, which I can see um, in both of you all the time, which is really cool. Um, so speaking of workshops, uh, you two did a workshop for SHIP uh, back in October 21 uh, that was called Poly Hot and Have to Explain My Situation a Lot, Non-Monogamy Skills for All Relationships. How did you come up with that name? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that name so much. Um, I actually came up with the name. Um, I'm all about really fun and silly and attention grabbing titles for things that's a brand so i wanted to come up with something that was both funny and kind of portrayed what our workshop was going to be so i was trying to play around with the word poly since there's more words that rhyme with that than polyamory or any other thing so that's kind of where that came from it's definitely attention grabbing um it just has that <laughs> 
that thing that makes you raise an eyebrow and go like, what is this about it? You then you go and, and read the whole description and go like, I, I should attend this workshop. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm so happy. Oh, sorry. I'm so happy that Grace um, allowed me to be silly with that. Um, they were all for it. I was resistant at first <laughs> and then saw the light and <laughs> never looked back. <laughs> Well, you always have to have a, a little funny somewhere. Um, so you mentioned that you're sex educators in one side or, or the other. Uh, what is, I imagine it's poly, but I'm going to ask it either way. What is your favorite topic that you cover? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. <laughs> Ooh, um, I re yes, I do really like talking about just kind of like relationships very broadly because everyone has something to say about it um and everybody is usually pretty into it everybody has relationships of some kind everybody wants to talk about them um and everybody has i guess everybody has a doorway in um you know some other sex ed topics can be maybe you're like learning more about different kinds of sexuality or different identities that maybe aren't yours and um that's really fun too, but um, I do like to teach on topics where everybody has kind of at least a doorway into um, to relate and to start from. How about you, Jayla? <laughs> um, so I started getting into sex ed when I started graduate school. So that was what my assistantship was before I got my first full-time job. Um, my favorite topic I think to teach about are just relationship building. I think relationship dynamics are really interesting and fascinating to me. And at least for myself and probably a lot of other people, that relationship, regardless of what dynamic it is, is, is really important before even thinking about a sexual relationship. So that's probably my favorite thing to talk about. I'm sorry for the awkward pause, but there was a very loud plane that went by and just I knew like, it. I knew it. took me off. <laughs> like, it's not me. That's what you were saying. <laughs> I'm like, what is that noise? And I completely like lost my place on my questions. <laughs> I forget that we live right next to an airport. Um, so uh, we're the ones with the planes, not the helicopters, but the planes. <laughs> you all along. <laughs> we um, manifested it. Yep, absolutely. Um, Josh, all of this is a blooper. <laughs> Do you want to put your bookmarks? I already made one. All right. Uh, I'll do a short pause and then continue. Point emoji. <laughs> so... Uh, I like what you said, Grace, about everybody has a type of relationship. They can they can definitely identify with the world relationship because they either have one or have decided that they don't have one. Um, but that's still like in a, the tangent of, of knowing what it is and whatnot. Um, so in thinking about polyamory and how relationships are structured, how do you see people moving from the classic monogamous relationship into polyamory? Or how do you recommend people doing that? Should be the question. Maybe I'll let Jayla start with this if, if you want to, Jayla. But I also just want to add that um, I use the term relationship really broadly. So I really, I use that to include, um, you know, friendships, family relationships, um, because I really do think that those are relationships too. And viewing them through those lens, like really lets us apply all of the dynamics that we maybe usually only apply to romantic relationships, you know, so giving our friendships and all the other relationships in our life, the same, um, level of, um, level of attention and care. Yeah. I'll definitely put a bookmark on that. I'm going to circle back to that bit. But first, we'll go to the first question before I, I forget it. <laughs> I'm sorry, could you repeat it? Um, so my question was, what would you recommend for someone that has always lived in the space of, of being on a, 
monogamous relationship and they're trying to open up to be in a non-monogamous one? I think keeping an open mind is really important when exploring polyamory. I feel that why most people are hesitant about even exploring the thought of polyamory for their relationship is fear-based. Um, and that's kind of why they get held back from it or the fear of jealousy, the fear of losing their partner, the fear of what their family might think. So I think addressing that and naming that feeling is the first step before exploring polyamory. Um, if that's something you want to experience in your relationships, I think you first need to kind of check yourself and see where you are at with your emotional security with yourself and also your partner, because you want to have a really secure relationship before you even think about having that conversation of opening up a relationship or practicing polyamory. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in Jayla and I's workshop, we talked a lot about um, whether you're monogamous, non-monogamous, or anything else, really moving from a values-based standpoint. So if you are monogamous and polyamory is something that you're considering, I think it can be really helpful to kind of like ground into your values. Like, why is this something that I want to do? Why does it, why is it important to me? What in my own relationship values would this change really reflect or allow me to explore. Um, and when things do get scary or stressful, like Jayla was talking about, I think it can be really helpful to have that, um, that grounding in, in your values and the reasons why you want to make the change. Yeah, and, and relying on your, not only your values, but the communication that you have with the partner that you started with or primary partner, if you have a hierarchical structure, relying on those conversation skills and those communication skills to address all those issues that may come up or places that just have questions where maybe when you had that initial conversation with your for, with your partner, you thought you hashed everything out and you dotted all the T's and crossed all the I's the other way around. Um, but something may come up months down the road that it's like, oh, crap, I never, we never talked about this. This, it never crossed my mind that this situation or this feeling or this scheduling conflict will ever come up. Um, so going back and, and really reinforcing those communication skills is they're always very important. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like <laughs> pretty much guarantee that'll happen. <laughs> You'll have, yeah, you will end up being like, oh, wow. I had no idea this was going to come up. And then like seven, that'll happen like 17 times. <laughs> so we, with that in mind, what, conversations would you recommend someone that or someone's uh, a partner couple that is starting to explore the idea of of an open relationship or a non-monogamous relationship what bullet list basically of topics do you think they should start talking about oh gosh that's such a good question um, I think a big one would be how much you are open to your own relationship changing, which sounds kind of dumb because obviously your relationship is changing, but I think that going in knowing that it is going to shift your relationship in ways that, um, you probably can't anticipate. And some of that might be really beautiful. Um, but I think going in with a level of awareness that this is going to change things and what's our comfort level with that and how are we going to handle future communications when things are shifting in ways that we didn't anticipate beforehand. Um, so I think a level of comfort with change, definitely, um, you know, monogamy comes with a certain set of, of rules, you know, sexual ex exclusivity, usually romantic exclusivity, and we usually don't talk much about those. That's just kind of, they are what they are. Um, but especially in non-monogamy, you actually have to think about what you want the rules to be, if, if any. Um, 
And so having a conversation around, um, you know, starting out before things shift, which they will, what do we want this to look like? What are our comfort levels? And then probably like putting in some, um, some check-ins and I don't know, like <laughs> procedures for like how you're going to communicate um, about those changes and about how you want things to keep shifting as you um, keep, keep on down the path. I love that you said procedures. Um, so on my day job, I am an engineer. Uh, so thinking about procedures makes a lot of sense in my head of, we have this checklist of procedures that you must follow in order for things to not break. And it makes so much sense. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. As it came out of my mouth, I was like, this is so nerdy. That's such a nerdy word, but like kind of sometimes, yeah, I'm glad you're on board. <laughs> it, it makes sense and it's not, so it's not that it's a rigid, you must follow these procedures, but it's a way of having that knowledge of my partner likes to communicate verbally in person while we're sitting down eating dinner. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a procedure. They want food, they want eye contact. Food is always important. But maybe you have another partner that for them, a phone call is fine. A text message is fine, especially if there's a change of plans. There are some folks that don't like and they could handle it, but it's a very stressful situation when there's a change of plans. So having a way to address that because that's what your partner needs so that that's what you need. It's also very important. So those are the procedures of understanding what your partners or par your partner or partners need and what do you need and saying, this is what I need. In my case, if I was talking to my partner, I can communicate via text message, but if we're talking in person, I don't like to make eye contact for some reason. I don't know why, probably cultural. But if we're talking, our, the best way for us to talk is getting on the car and driving because I don't have to make eye contact. Someone needs to watch the road and it's usually not me, I'm not driving. But those are the kind of things that you have to build in into your your communication style. I love I love that elaboration, and I love that you talked about how it's specific to each person. And I'm also a huge fan of tough conversations and car rides. Love that. Well, you can't bail on them. That's the other part. <laughs> it's harder, at least. It's harder to bail on a hard conversation in the car. Um, I will not recommend that for everybody it can get dangerous if the person driving is not in control of their driving the whole time. <laughs> so it's, it's one that is tried carefully, but it's, it can be very useful. Um, and conversations while one of you is showering, mm. those are really good for financial conversations. Oh, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Just write that down. Yeah. And it's, again, it's what some people need. Other people need to sit down and put their serious face on. And mm -hmm. I don't have one of those. <laughs> um, so you, we have these two hypothetical two people that we've been walking them through what they should be doing. We talked about they're imagining going into a non-monogamous relationship. Now they have a list of things to start to talk about with their partner. Um, the next one would be what type of open relationship um, they could have or explore. So could you tell us a little bit more, either one of you, um, about the different types of open relationships that I guess the popular ones, because there's a million of them. <laughs> So there are obviously lots of different types of open relationships. Um, basically what you have to decide is, are the relationships going to be only sexual that are open or are they going to be open for romantic and sexual connections or just romantic? So once you figure that out, um, lots of different options there. A lot of common ones are swinging. There's grapples are really popular. There are 
um i hear a lot of like alphabet letter type relationships so like a v where like there's three people but only one person is connected to the two and those two are not connected so those are a few to name off the top of my head um i'm having a brain fart <laughs> i'm like i had it going somewhere and i don't remember where i was going I think, Do you want to add anything, Grace? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think you covered a lot of the main ones. And um, I mean, I think that it, it is helpful to kind of know what's out there, but it's really hard to like plan for a thruple, you know? Um, so I think that maybe the better route would be to, um, you know, think a little bit less about um, structure because structure really does depend so much on like other people who you haven't met yet who you really have you know no control over um and more about your own <laughs> values and boundaries and you know how then um a kind of structure that again will probably shift and change a lot over time will come from those so you know asking questions more about um you know how much time do I want to spend on romantic relationships? Um, or, you know, maybe I want to, cause it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. Um, so, you know, maybe I, maybe like one of my hobbies and my work is really important to me. So I only have this amount of time or maybe it's really important to me to, um, stay really close to my primary partner. So I might want to think about, um, you know, really communicating to, potential new partners that I only have so much time or I only have so much um, capacity for, you know, building really intense relationships. Um, so I kind of think that might be a little bit more helpful, but it definitely is nice to just kind of see what's out there, know what other people are doing because yeah, we don't often hear a lot about um, the different possibilities. So I feel like it can really help to kind of like get those, get the brain flowing around um, what's possible. Yeah, it helps to picture yourself and your partner into those spaces. If you're like you alluded to before, um, actually both of you in a little bit of a different way of if you're looking for to open up your relationship sexually only, then you may look into swing spaces or to be dependent on your gender and your preferences um, to be a bowl for someone. Um, so that uh, playing separately instead of together um, or however you can go down the rabbit hole on that side but that's one side if you're looking for a romantic relationship then you can start looking into what are you trying to get out of it and like you said grace of how much time you have to devote to that relationship and build that up um, and how much capacity you have in terms of emotional capacity are you looking for a romantic relationship that is on the casual side where it's not a passionate multi-year love, but more something that is loving, but subtle. Um, and you can think about those things that you're kind of looking for, or just put them all in the bucket and like mix, a, mix them all around and see what comes out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And I think another helpful thing here would be like, it is helpful to get clear, you know, a little bit before you move forward on, um, what you're looking for because when you introduce other people into especially into an already existing relationship it's really hard to be that third person um and you know if someone has a primary partner and you are the newer person um i think that it can be really difficult to kind of feel like somebody else maybe has either like some veto power or has more of a role or more of an influence in this person that you're dating's life. Um, so I think that as the person who's already in a committed partnership, I think that you do have a responsibility to, um, you know, be clear if there are limits on how much you can offer somebody. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, which brings us to the next step on this hypothetical couple that we've been walking through the motions. Um, we should name them at some point. Uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of boundaries and, and 
I don't want to use the word restrictions, but restrictions. Um, what, how do you go about establishing boundaries and how do you make sure your boundaries are not toxic? Um, I think an important boundary for this hypothetical unnamed couple would be if they are exploring sexually with outside their relationship, that barrier methods should be a boundary right away, um, especially if you're new to the dating scene and you're just recently opening up your relationship. Um, I just think that's the safest way to go about those things. Um, other boundaries too, in our workshop, we talked about um, like bringing our own values into it. So if you really value your own space or this hypothetical couple would not be open to moving or opening up their home to another person moving in if the connection were romantic that should be something that should be kept in mind too just because i feel like a lot of the time when uh, couples start talking about open relationships and non-monogamy that it's all about what they can gain from it but like grace was saying like it's also more about what can you give to these future potential partners? Because it's not just a one-way street. You're also going to be needing to provide for your other partners. So I think just keeping that in mind too is something that's really important. And also recognizing that your future partners are also going to have boundaries and theirs might be a little different than yours. And you might have to learn how to navigate that in addition to your primary partner that you would be having. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I love all of that so much. Hard agree to everything Jayla said. And um, a helpful thing for me that this is this is not mine. This is a pretty common um, framework. But the idea that um, boundaries are about you and um, what you are um, kind of like allowing or welcoming into your space. Um, and then rules are about other people. So I'm a big fan of boundaries because you are the only person you can control. Um, and so for me, I really think like Jayla said, your boundaries hopefully come from your integrity, from your values and some from some serious self-reflection about what kind of things you want to or don't want to welcome into your life. Um, and so for me, I think boundaries are more about um, how am I choosing to move through the world? What kind of people do I want to be in relationship with? What kind of things do I um, allow and accept and welcome in relationships? Um, and what kind of things do I not, will I take myself out of the relationship or take myself out of the situation or the space if that boundary is crossed. So I really think focusing on this might be a little bit harder to do in a couple, but I still do think that like, especially if this couple is opening up, like it is kind of time to, you know, think about your own personal values. Um, and I think I lost my train of thought there a little bit, but, um, yeah, just what are you allowing? What are you trying to build? Um, and then if something does kind of fall outside of those boundaries, the answer is to, you know, remove yourself. It's not to put rules and restrictions on the other person. So I feel like that refocusing boundaries on yourself is, is I think, like an empowering way to look at it. Yeah, um, and one example that comes to mind is, I. I wouldn't date a smoker for as an, a random example, not that I would or wouldn't, uh, but let's say that I wouldn't date a smoker. If I'm opening up my relationship, I can't tell my partner, you cannot date a smoker. Mm -hmm. I can tell my partner, if your date is a smoker, they cannot smoke in my house, our mm -hmm. house, or in my presence. Mm -hmm. If they need to smoke, they need to be a way where I'm not affected by their habit. Um, so that's a boundary um, that establishes my safety, the safety of my lungs, I guess, uh, but it doesn't infringe on who my partner can or cannot date. And it also doesn't infringe on the right of that third person to smoke. They can smoke all they want, just not in my face. 
Oh, that's such a good example. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes, a hundred percent. It's about you, what you're allowing in your space. You're not trying to control other people's actions and you're not trying to limit what other people can and can't do in their own, you know, time and space. I mean, again, with sex, like this is like Jayla said about barriers. I feel like this is kind of an exception where, you know, you are potentially at risk if your partner is um, not really staying to your agreed um, boundaries in terms of barrier methods, contraception. Um, so I think that those are decisions that really need to be made um, collectively. Um, but yeah, especially, I think I just think that smoking example is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 temp- the thought of, barriers and in risk aware sets and in having to think more about your physical safety and your health while you have an open relationship is completely <laughs> completely different there goes another plane today is a plane day um because of what you said uh you need to keep yourself safe you need to keep your your relationship as safe as you can um not that things oopsies couldn't happen, but you need to do your best on, on that side, um, especially if you have a relationship that includes a sexual component. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having, being aware of no sets is safe sets unless you're having sets with yourself. Um, but you can take risk, calculated risk, and use barrier methods, use a testing regime that is more than what you would have used if it was a monogamous relationship. Um, those are things that you can put into place as your boundaries and the few rules uh, that are hard rules. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also want to say, just in case that sounds scary to anybody out there that um, maybe not across the board, but generally non-monogamous people tend to be really good at having these conversations because it just becomes kind of like a normal part of the deal. So um, I have found that those conversations with, people who are more non-monogamous tend to be pretty easy and pretty like there's not a lot of like shame involved you just kind of you know say what you've been up to and (laughs) what your boundaries around it are and everybody kind of um moves on with their lives yeah and they may even have a a coupon code or two for (laughs) good places to go get tested because you can only get one past your insurance uh, if you are so lucky to have insurance. You can only pay for one a year with the insurance. So if you are going to do a regime that is longer than that, you may need some discount codes. Sharing is caring. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unless it comes to STIs. <laughs> um, so flipping the script a little bit, uh, we've been talking about uh, this couple um Pisces and Miss Lucy who used to be my cat uh, until 2018 um by the way that's the name of my cat and the name of Jayla's cat uh, I just married them even though one of them is not in this plane anymore uh, to be our couple uh but to put it from the other side uh if you are a single person or a person that doesn't have a primary partner and you're trying to enter into a relationship with an established couple, what would be your advice for them? (laughs) Tread carefully. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, I have never done this. I have never, um, the people that I date tend to be people who are not in super established, like really strong, you know, past monogamous couples. Um, I think just, I would say that as the single person getting into this, you would really want to make sure that you are protecting yourself. I think that there are some amazing couples out there who have really strong committed relationships and know how to treat new people really well um but couples privilege is real Mm -hmm. and i think that it is easy as the new person to get like barreled over a little bit or to maybe not feel like you are as important and have as much of a say in how the relationship goes so i would just 
say, you know, you do, it's, it's your relationship too. And, um, you have just as much right to, um, advocate for what you need and advocate for how you want the relationship to look. You might not get it. It might not work out, but, um, (laughs) I think that that would be, um, that would be the biggest thing. I definitely echo what Grace said. Um, also tread carefully. Um, but I also think if it's something that happens organically, it can be something that's really great and wonderful. Um, as long as it's not coming from like a sexualization unicorn hunting type of way that it happens. Um, and just remembering that this relationship is just as valid now that your feelings are into it, your feelings are still going to be valid throughout this relationships and your emotions and values and boundaries now come into the mix too. And to not lose sight of that, um, even though it's already an established couple. Yeah. Um, you did mention two different concepts that I wasn't too familiar with. Uh, and I'm just going to guess that someone that is listening is not either. Um, one was couples privilege. I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, but can you explain what that is? for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for um, pointing us to that. Um, So I think of couples privilege as having kind of two elements. And the first one is that our society at large really privileges couples. Um, You know, married people have um, lots of rights that unmarried people do not. And then just couples in general um, tend to be, um, you know, really celebrated, really acknowledged. Like you bring, you know, your your partner home for Christmas. Um, that's the person who gets invited out with your friends. That's the person who is your plus one at a wedding. There's a lot of things that are set up to make life really easy for an established couple. Um, and then kind of zooming in just in the context of, um, that specific relationship. Um, just the fact of like being in an established couple where you already know each other really well, you already have, um, you know, an established kind of way of life together. You already have your boundaries set. You already, um, you already have a life together. Um, and so somebody who is new and coming in doesn't have those same things yet because, you know, they're new. And especially if, um, couples maybe like live together or, um, share things like, finances, um, you know, obviously some of that is just going to have to take some precedence. If you share children, if you share a home, there are responsibilities there. But um, I think that it's something that's really important for couples to be aware of is that they do, you do have um, just by virtue of already having a shared life together and moving through the world in a way that um, is easy. You do, you do have some privilege and some power in relation to the newer person. Yeah, that's something that is not talked about too much um, when people are explaining polyamory in, in open relationships, but it's it's very real. Um, and there's in this negotiation with your partner um, that is an established partner that you may have a mortgage and a couple of kids together, establishing the rules on how to continue managing the household and continuing managing the children, um, if there are any, or the fur children is very important, but not letting that infringe into how you will build a new relationship um, and making that very clear separation of, these are our responsibilities that we still need to take because we have them together, but that shouldn't take away from building a relationship in a connection with the, the next person, with the additional person. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, So the other concept that we talked about, I think Jayla mentioned it, uh, was unicorn unicorn hunting. Now, I love unicorns, but they're because they're rainbowy. I don't think that's the same. (laughs) Yeah, um, so unicorn hunting, how it usually happens is it's a heterosexual couple, a man and a woman, and they're usually searching for a bisexual woman to add to their relationship or sexually. Um, Like if you're swiping on Tinder and you see like a profile that's a couple and it's just looking for a third, um, it can be really harmful because it's just 
I don't know, they're not thinking of, in my opinion, they're not thinking of this third person and their feelings and their emotions and their wants. Their relationship is already established and good. Their boundaries are set. And now they're kind of pushing those expectations on this third person without even having met them, without even having their emotions considered into it. And it's just not a great practice. Um, and it's a really big red flag if um, that is something you see or come across. If you are a bisexual, a fab person and you get exposed to that, it's just not a great time. Yeah, that's bringing me back memories of my dating life. <laughs> um, back before Tinder, there was okay, Cupid. <laughs> And before I that, I love okay, keep it big fan. I, I met my 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 husband there, my partner Josh, who sometimes comes on this podcast. Um, and it, I mean, you can find great people. I definitely did, but you have to navigate and swim through the muck that is online dating. And I did find a lot of those folks that it was just a couple saying looking for a third, and it just felt like they were just looking for a set story that was autonomous. Like if you could have found a robot uh, that was completely operable and you could have sets with the robot, they would have done that and it would have been the same because there was no, nothing else there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I just wanna add just to like, I think both of all of us are probably aware of this, but just to like, keep adding nuance that it isn't bad to you know look for somebody to have a threesome with you or for somebody to you know be a third um but i think that a lot of these you know yeah heterosexual couples end up being like pushing that onto um others who are not explicitly open to it you know some people are more than happy to um to join a couple you know for an evening or longer but um I think that where the behavior gets predatory is really just like we've all gotten those weird messages from couples who, you know, um, are just kind of like, you know, every single person they're swiping on, every single person they're sending a message about this. And um, yeah, I think like Jayla said, it's just the attitude of um, expecting to add someone into your relationship, but to keep your relationship completely the same, like really not acknowledging that um, this person that you want to add is also a person with, you know, needs, desires, boundaries, and who, you know, may very well change your relationship. Yeah, there's a, it, you need to bring humanity back in, into if and if you're just looking for a three-way or or more way uh you need to add that humanity the people that you're trying to interact with they're people they have needs they have boundaries they have they have a heart um so treating people like people will make the experience better even if it's a one night stand three something um or a longer relationship anything in between the people that you're trying to bring into your established relationship still have a full autonomy they have a full heart and they have the same needs well they have a lot of needs um so knowing that that person is a human and treating them like human and not like a piece of meat will be very nice and it will get you very far because then you may have a one night stand with someone as a threesome and you treated them like a human that you had fun with and maybe in a couple of months, they get back to you and say, hey, I had fun. Anytime you want to repeat that, just let me know. And then you have an established, maybe not friends with benefits, maybe acquaintances with benefits, but you have that connection now. And you follow that rule of the campsite rule, which I'm stealing from some other podcast, so I did not invent this but leaving the place or the person uh, better than you found them, meaning don't do harm if you can avoid it. Uh, it's very important. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. 100%. Um, so what are the misconceptions? We, we talked about um, unicorn hunting and the pitfalls and all that not that fun stuff, but what are some of the misconceptions about non-monogamy that are very common in the monogamous couples are 
just hearing about it and now they have one eyebrow raised like this sounds interesting. Sure. Uh, a few that come to my head are that it's a young person's thing, but it's mostly or only young people participating in non-monogamy when non-monogamy has been around for eons and eons. And it just seems like it's a new phenomenon because it's getting more attention from like social media and from studies and different things and just representation is getting more prevalent i think and another myth is that it's a white person's thing going back with the like who is represented and who is seen in these relationships it's usually white people um when people of color are more than capable of participating in non-monogamy but it just goes back to like what do we see and who don't we see in these relationships yeah. Yeah, that's that's so well said. Um maybe ones that I would add are um that everybody who is non-monogamous is really slutty. Some people are. Um but uh I think that non-monogamy just it gives so many options which is what i really love about it so um non-monogamy might be a great option for um people with different sex drives than their um than their existing partners um or people who are asexual and you know either have uh, less interest in sex or none at all or um people who just have different ways that they want to love and different ways that they want to attach to people i think that um again like jayla said about representation you know the what we usually think of when we think about polyamory is like a thruple um or swingers but there's just, to me, it is really just about building connections of all kinds that work for you um, because all of us love so differently. Um, and I think that non-monogamy just leaves more room for that. Yeah, and also love is not pie. You're not gonna run out of it. Um, you can have plenty of love for more than one person uh, in different intensities at different times and they will feel all different but if you look back at your past relationships you loved each person that you loved differently it wasn't the same love all the time yeah oh, you have such mm. good metaphors and examples <laughs> I will blame my mom for that. Um, that's how she taught me how to study. Because <laughs> I couldn't grasp concepts without having an example that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's metaphor learning. I feel like it's so good for your brain. It is. It's, it's, it's also fun where you're trying to explain a concept to someone and you go on a tangent about <laughs> things that have nothing to do with it because in your brain you associated the two for years on end. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm still thinking about, you know, this relationship between a ghost cat and a real cat, a, a, present, a present on this earthly plane cat, and, you know, what that, like, astral communication must be like, you know, their love is just really inspiring. So, yeah, it takes your brain to just fun places. Yeah, I mean, in my, in my mind, the relationship between Pisces and Miss Lucy would be it had to be an open relationship because they will have different needs. One is in the astral plane, so they need to also have a relationship with other astral cats. And then Pisces has a, a physical need that can now be satisfied by ghost cat. I mean, I have a whole story in my head. <laughs> well, he's a widow now, I guess. So they were yeah. married and now he's, he's a widow cat. Um, sorry, Pisces. <laughs> I want someone to make a comic about this now. <laughs> I need to find someone that can draw it. They can draw this. Um, so before we wrap it up, I had left at the beginning of our conversation a little pin on non-romantic uh, relationships, and we wanted to explore a little bit more. Um, so I feel like a lot of monogamous relationships also monopolize uh on the platonic relationship 
relationships. And that's another aspect of opening up that is not talked about too much. I have some words to say about this. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, and this is like very, this is where my journey with non-monogamy has really gone and has really been about, um, is just continuing to decenter romantic relationships in my life. Um, because it's what's felt why I love a non-monogamous perspective is because I think it really asks, continues to ask me what my truth is. Um, and it continues to ask me to, um, really look deeper and make sure that the way that I am building my connections is still resonating and is still my truth. Um, and I think that a non-monogamous perspective really offers the opportunity to decenter romantic relationships because you're right we put them kind of they are like on the pedestal in our society they are supposed to be like the pinnacle of love what you know what you're supposed to reach for you're supposed to dream about love dream about getting married maybe and um non-monogamy helps us to kind of decenter that and recognize that relationships might take a lot of different forms but in a lot of ways i do think that it kind of still has a really strong emphasis on romantic partnership. Um, and I'm really interested in pushing against that even more and really asking, like not all of us really want to have a romantic partner or many romantic partners at the center of our lives. And not all of us even really feel um, a distinction between romantic people in our lives and more platonic people in our lives in terms of importance or even like, I don't know, I've just noticed for myself that that binary between romance and platonic or between dating versus friendship is really kind of dissolving as I've started to ask myself more and more questions about, um, you know, is there really a difference between the people that I say I'm dating and my friends and how they show up in my life and how I want to build my life around them. And for me, there, there really isn't. So um, I think that there's even more opportunity to kind of ask questions about, you know, what, what our connections look like on a personal level, not just in terms of romantic relationships, but really it's about like how we want to build a life and our connections are so central to our lives. And um, I think that having the opportunity to, um, really question those and really um, find exactly what works for us and know that that is potentially very unique. Um, it's really, it's what I love so much about talking about all this. I, I see it as very, um, it feels like there's a lot of opportunity there and a lot of, um, a lot of exploring to do that I find really exciting. I just love whenever Grace speaks um ever everything they say is so beautifully said <laughs> I definitely agree um but I think that there's a lot there that needs to be explored I mean we could do a whole episode just on platonic relationships because the same feelings that we've been talking about that we've been walking through can also be said by to platonic relationships on how do you create those boundaries between um, your platonic relationships, you still need them. Um, how do you communicate? What kind of communication style do you establish with your with your friends and with your platonic relationships? Um, how do you deal with hard things, hard events? Um, or how do you move and grow together as you grow older in you change and, and you learn so much. How do you keep moving that relationship forward the same way that you would move a romantic relationship? And how do you deal with jealousy? Um, this just reminded me, uh, when I was five years old, I met one of my best friends and this was in kindergarten and we've been friends to this day. And in middle school, we had a lot of fights because we were jealous of the other friends that we were creating. So if I went and played uh, with another friend, 
she will get jealous and vice versa. And we had to deal at the ripe old age of 14 or whenever it is that you're in middle school, uh, we had to deal with those feelings. We also had to deal with being apart when I moved from one town to the other um, and left the school to another school system. We were apart for four years. So we had to deal with that, uh, with that lost connection. This is pre-internet, I am that old. Um, so we completely lost connection for four years when we ended up going to the same university, we reconnected and we had to rebuild the relationship. And now that I moved out of Puerto Rico to Rhode Island, we had to remake that relationship again. That is something that you would do with a long-term partner, um, a romantic partner, but we've done it as platonic friends and it's something that is not really talked about. You kind of judge to through that feeling of that connection without being a romantic connection, but it's still important and still has a piece of your heart. Oh, I love that story. For, that's a really sweet reconnection story. Um, and yeah, I, you're so right that like so many of the things that we attribute to romantic relationships we also experience in our friendships friend jealousy friend breakups are devastating um but we don't quite have the same language for those things when they happen with our friends or the same set of tools or the same amount of workshops and books that we do for romantic relationships and yeah i think that um connections in our lives that that are um, beyond romantic really, really deserve a lot more attention and a lot more care. Um, and yeah, when Jayla and I did our workshop, we really, um, kind of tried to emphasize that, um, these skills that we're teaching and these values that we're talking about are for all relationships, not just romantic ones. Yeah, that, that was another good one. Um, friend breakups are heart wrenching, um, and they're so difficult. They're as, hard and as heartbreaking as, as, as romantic relationships. And sometimes more because sometimes you trusted that person more than you trusted your latest romantic relationship. Yeah, right. And I think it makes it harder too, that we don't, you know, we expect people to really grieve after a romantic relationship ends, but we don't really have those same scripts for a friend breakup. So it can be kind of harder to, um, to process and to go through. Um, so yeah, I think we need more structures for really acknowledging other people's roles in our lives besides romantic partners. Um, and a lot of us don't know how to talk about how much we mean to our friends or we don't know how to make those um, concrete commitments that we know how to make with romantic partners, like moving in together, sharing finances, um, just a, you know, a commitment to spend the holidays together or something like that. We don't really know how to have those conversations with our friends, um, but a lot of people's lives are very friend focused, whether it's really consciously acknowledged or not. Yeah, and it's, something very difficult to navigate because you also have to think about maybe both people have their own ro romantic relationships on top of your friendships um, and more than one friend so they're poly in their general ships um, no pun intended uh, so that's where scheduling comes in and we're having that kind of structure of like how am how do i show up for you um, one thing that I've learned this past couple of years, um, with one of my best friends is to tell them that I love them without mm -hmm. any caveat to that. Not, I love you friend. I love you girlfriend or anything like that. It's just the words. I love you. And we say it to each other all the time. And it was something I never did before, even though I felt it, it's like, friendship love is real and saying to your friends that you love them while you can is very important oh i love that yeah i'm a big fan of um of friend romance too and and also just again like these these things don't have to be friend or romantic like i think that those lines are often blurrier than um we either realize or like to admit um and but i just i like i think like the practice of like cultivating romance with your friends is really beautiful and really um 
important as long as we kind of like have, you know, some structures to hold that, like just saying, I love you and um, acknowledging that, you know, this is a relationship. It's important. Yeah. Putting them on the, on the calendar because they're busy, you're busy, but you don't want to not spend a whole week without seeing them. So mm -hmm. treat them the same way that you would treat a romantic partner that doesn't live with you worse. So you can't go and bug them every five seconds like I do. Um, but the same way, like send them a text message that says, good luck on your presentation at work today, if they have such a thing. Um, stuff like that. It's that same little things or big things that cultivate and grow those relationships. Yeah. I share my calendar with my really close friends. So my favorite thing is when they like put something on my calendar for us to do together. It just feels nice where it's like, you see my schedule and you respect my time and you want to make time for me and I will make time for you. That's really cool. <laughs> we tried doing that once. Um, it turns out uh, my friend's calendar scares me. Because, <laughs> oh my God, she's busy. Um, <laughs> so uh, we are at the top of the hour. We were supposed to take a break, but we did not, but that's okay. Uh, we'll just make it up in the middle. But before we go, we have to, have to do the hot seat questions. All right. Um, all right. <laughs> so I should have changed them for this new season, uh, but I didn't. So we're going with the season one questions, uh, but they're really fun. Um, so I'll ask you a question and I'll have Jayla answer first and then Grace. Um, they're very... Don't be scared. They're very easy questions, uh, but that way there's some method to the madness or, or just madness. All right. First question, uh, Pepsi or Coke? Pepsi. Pepsi, but it's been a long time. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. Ooh, Dr. Pepper. I haven't had a Dr. Pepper in a while. I discovered that they make a, a Coke cherry flavored in the zero sugar version. Pretty, pretty good. Wasn't bad. Wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Um, all right, second question. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Ben and Jerry's chocolate chip cookie dough. Mint chocolate chip. Oh, uh, you lost me there. I can't mix <laughs> chocolate and mint. They just don't go together. Divided on the mint chip. I <laughs> All right. Um, hopefully both of you are Marvel fans. Who is the best Marvel character? I'm a fraud. I don't do Marvel. Um, is Captain America Marvel? Yes, he is. All right, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. I don't do Marvel either. <laughs> oh. Yeah, sorry. I know that the Hulk, I know the Hulk. I'll go with the Hulk. Oh yeah, the Hulk is also Marvel, so yeah, he's in there. two very good guesses. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is my favorite one. So, wrong answer only. Why is there fuss on a tennis ball? For their kidney donation. Okay, so the tennis ball is the means by which our two lover cats communicate. They like throw the tennis ball. The Pisces throws the tennis ball up to the heavens. And Miss Lulu, is that? Lucy. Miss Lucy. <laughs> Lucy catches it, reads the message inside, throws it back down. And so the fuzz from the tennis ball is um, the wear and tear of this tennis ball kind of like going through the atmosphere it's it takes a lot of it's rough um <laughs> so that's that's where the fuss comes from i love that explanation and um i am so sorry for our listeners but we are looking at pisces right now and he's adorable and it's, it's a perfect setting for my last question um so last question what sound does a fox make Meow. 
Awesome. Well, thank you for playing along with me and my very silly questions. Um, it was such a pleasure to talk to both of you, Jayla and Grace. Um, and this was a wonderful hour. We could have been here for three hours and not even notice. Um, so before we wrap up, is there um, where can people find you? Either you have social media, websites or anything like that? Um, yeah, thank you so much. I had a blast too. Um, you're so easy to talk to. And um, yeah, I am on Instagram at G-G-R-A-C-E-E-W-E-B-B. -E -E um, I will maybe Instagram more in the future. We'll see. Um, and website TBD. Maybe it'll be in the show notes by the time this comes out. Nice. How about you, Jayla? Ooh, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, uh, all the same username, at Jawaponte, J-A-W-A-P-O-N-T-E. Um, yeah, I love the clock app. That's probably where you'll find me the most, but also Instagram. Um, and I don't know, I'm defending my thesis in May, which is on the need for more sex ed for college students. So maybe that'll be in the show notes as well. Whoa. We'll um, definitely make sure to put it there and wishing you best of luck on your um, defense um, and all the future mastery things that you need to do. <laughs> I don't know what else you have to do to get a master. So uh, anything else that you need to do from now to May when this episode comes out, uh, very best of luck. I hope Pisces doesn't destroy your papers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, he, he's my uh, writing partner and buddy. Um, but it was also great talking to a fellow Boricua. So uh, thank you again for having us. Hey, everyone. SHIP will never stop creating spaces that provide opportunities to engage in candid, shame-free conversations about sexuality, and we are committed to building a more sexually literate society so that more of these spaces can exist. In order to do that, we need your help. Consider joining the Sex Ed Squad by visiting weknowship.org. Our Sex Ed Squad members are the very foundation of our work, because changing our sex-negative culture requires a long-term strategy in your long-term investment. All gifts, no matter the size, have an impact. You've been listening to Virgin Territory, a podcast by SHIP, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing culturally inclusive, medically accurate, and pleasure-guided sexuality education, therapy, and professional training to adults. You can visit us online at weknowship.org. Um, would which means, actually, Josh, do you want to start being on this one? Because if not, it's two against one. Uh, nope, you'll be fine. <gasps> I tried. Insert two against one joke. Okay. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>